<clears throat> okay, Bruchim Abam, welcome everyone. That was a, a little bit of a flavor, what it was like in Mitzrayim during the chaos of the Makos. That was intentionally designed by Agur de Perka, of course, to give you a better appreciation for the uh, what it was like in the land of Egypt during the barrage of the Makos. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Bruchim Abam, to the Kailal uh, Agur de Perka, uh, which is uh, led by... Rebezra Klein, and uh, we thank Reb Chaim Fuhrer for organizing uh, and arranging for today's events. Uh, Baruch Hashem, now we're on, we're operating on all cylinders, we're on the Zoom, we're on the telephone line, and uh, I want to speak about a subject today which is relevant to not only this week's parasha, but the entirety of Sefer Shemois, and really a very fundamental subject to uh, understanding Chumash. And let us begin with the Nitziv's introduction to the Chumash. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to show you the Marmakoimais on the screen. Uh, let's try that. And hopefully... Um, okay, that should be good. Um... Here we go. Make it a little bit bigger. Fine. Very good. So the Nitziv tells us in the Hamakdavar and the Psicha to Sefer Shemais, that Sefer Shemais has a unique name. Uh, typically, traditionally, we refer to Sefer Shemais as uh, Sefer Shemais. It's the book of names. After all, it begins by enumerating the names of the Shvatim, and it gives the name for Moshe Rabbeinu, and then Moshe Rabbeinu says to God, what's your name? What should I tell Klai? So your name is... So Sefer Shemois is appropriately referred to as the book of names. However, the Ramban at the end of Sefer Bereshis refers to Shemois as Sefer Hageula. These are the two names of Shemois. Shemois, Sefer Hageula. However, comes the Bahag, the Baal Halachos Gedolos, and he says a new name for the Sefer. He refers to Bereshis as Bereshis. He refers to Vayikra as Sefer Koyhanim. He refers to Bamidbar as Chumash Hapkudim. And he refers to Devarim as Mishnah Torah. And then, get a load of this. What does the Bahag uh, term and call the second book of the Chumash? The second book he calls Chumash Sheni, Book 2. Wow, what a brilliant name for the second book of the Chumash. Book 2. How did the Bahag ever come up with that one? First of all, it's inconsistent. All the other books have names. Voracious, Taras Kayanim, Chumash HaPakudim, Mishnah Torah. So what happened? The Bahag ran out of names for the second book and he calls it Chumash Sheni. Why did he call it Chumash Sheni? Why doesn't he give it a name? Apparently, the Bahag is of the opinion that this is a highly... Sorry, um, that this is a uh, highly appropriate name for the book of Sefer Shemois. Why does the Bahag refer to it as Sefer uh, Sheni? Yeah, okay, so regarding the phone line, the Zoom is much clearer. If anybody's able to come on to the Zoom, uh, it's much clearer channel than the phone. Okay. Uh, Gladstein, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to uh, put it in non-question and answer mode so they won't be able to unmute themselves. Okay. 
Very good. So that is the, the opening question. Why is Sefer Shemais called by the Bahag Sefer Shani? And in fact, Rabbi Say the Gemara in Masechta Saita, in fact, also uses this terminology. The Gemara in Saita Lamed Vav Amid Beis. The Gemara says Loi Kederach Shacholkin Mechumash Hapkudim. Not like it's divided in Sefer Bamidbar Ela Kederach Shachalukin there, but rather the way it's divided in um, the book of Mechumash Shani. So this expression of Mechumash Shani is actually based in the Gemara. To which the uh, the Gemara refers to the book of Shemais as Chumash Sheni. So as the Netziv says, Shuta, the Rabbi Seinu, the expression of our Chachamim, is certainly something that is worthy of our attention. Let's discuss another uh, subject, and that is the Chavis Habavis teaches us that one Chavis Habavis teaches us that one has to constantly upgrade and update their level of understanding of the narratives in the Chumash and the Tefillahs that we say regularly. Otherwise, we're in danger of forever maintaining an elementary or a childish understanding of uh, certain Tefillahs that we say regularly or certain narratives in the Chumash. And I think uh, if there was one narrative that the Chavis Havavas was discussing, it's got to be the Makais. I think, unfortunately there's still a very uh, primitive and elementary understanding that we have of the Makais. Somehow, what are the Makais? It's like the circus, you know. Allah, the Ringling Brothers and Barney Bay, the circus, all of Hashalom, uh, before Yidin, you know, there used to be a circus for a hundred years until we started making our own Chalamite circuses and then uh, the circus disappeared forever. Uh, you know, I'll let you think about that one. But we think, the Yibad Shalom, you know, basically... He went to the Bronx Zoo, he unlocked all the animals, and he said, you know, wreak havoc in uh, Mitzrayim. We sort of have an elementary understanding. What in the world was Rebbe Shalom trying to accomplish with the Makos? It was just, it seems to us as just major chaos in the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Another important question is uh, raised by Rabbi David Koyin, Rosh Hashiva of Hebron, in his Sefer, Mizmar Ladavin Maimer Zayin. And that is, Rav David Koyen uh, points out that the way the Makois seem to have presented themselves in the Torah is, uh, the Rebbe Hashem is one after another, barrage after barrage, Maka after Maka, relentless. Um, the Rebbe Hashem brings one plague after another with no interruption. Dam, Tzvardea, Kinim. No interruption in, this, in the Torah. No uh Injection of mitzvahs. It's one plague after another after another. In fact, the Nitziv writes that even though each Makkah lasted for a week and then there was a warning for three weeks, so in total it was a month, in between each Makkah, the, the, the Nitziv writes, it was Zroya Hanatuya. God's hand was outstretched, indicating that even though there seemed to have been a reprieve, there was no reprieve in between the Makkahs at all, but God was Becherev, he was knocking off key Egyptian officials in between the Makos, to not to give the Egyptians one moment to stop and to pause and to digest and to process what was going on. So this is one mock after another, from the beginning of Va'era until the end of Bay, and yet there is one interjection, there's one pause, right before Makas Becherev, 
the Rebbeinu Shem tells Klal Yisrael, "Vayoymer Hashem El Moshe Ve'El Aaron Be'Eretz Mitzrayim Leimar Hachodesh Hazeh Lachem Roish Chadashem." For some reason, the introduction to Makas B'Chayrois, the Rebbeinu Shem doesn't just bring Makas B'Chayrois right after Choishech, but there's actually a pause in between the end of Choishech and the beginning of Makas B'Chayrois. Namely, the Yibar Shem gives a mitzvah to Klal Yisrael. Okay, I understand the mitzvah happened then. It was given on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. But why is it recorded in the Torah at that interval? All the other makos are one after another, after another, after another. Why is makas b'choyroi, so to speak? Is there a pause uh, of many psukim about HaChodesh HaZelochem and the Karben Pesach? So, Marv Rabbi let us discuss what the tachlis of the ten makos were. We'll begin with the psikta zutrasi. And the psikta says in the Medrash Lakach Toiv, Hashem al For every maka that God brought on the Egyptians, Moshe Rabbeinu only brought it al pi hagevura, says the Medrash. Yavoyu asara mamorois shall eser makos. Let the ten statements of the ten plagues come and pay back the Egyptians and Paroi who wanted to subjugate the Jewish people. Then on their account, the world was created with ten makos. So here the psikta is uh, sort of directing our minds to recognize a parallel between the ten plagues with which he plagued the Egyptians and the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. So, at first glance, it seems ten and ten, they're both ten. God created the world with ten statements. God uh, brought the Makos with ten statements and uh, they, they somehow go hand in hand. However, let's analyze this. Let's study for a few moments what are the ten statements with which Hashem created the world and what is their connection to the ten makos in Perkei Avos, Perkei Mishnah Aleph, it says, "Ba'asara Mamores Nivra Olam." God created the world with ten statements, and uh, the Mishnah asks, "Why did Hashem have to do that? He could have created the world with one statement." It's basically to pay back the wicked that when they sin and they make the world uh, pointless. They defeat the purpose of creation, so now Hashem is going to punish them for for destroying a world that was created with ten statements, and to reward the tzaddikim who they uphold a world that was created with ten statements. But the obvious question is, Rabbi Isai, what's going on over here? Because if you actually go to Bereshis and you count how, with how many statements did God create the world, you will only find nine statements with which Hashem created the world. What are they? Number one, on day one, Vayyayimer Lekim, Yehiyar. You with me? You could see me? Another another uh, advantage of the Zoom is you could see my count, okay? So just uh, FYI, if you want to see the finger count, you got to go on the Zoom. Okay, so number one, Vayyayimer Lekim, Yehiyar. That's day one. God said there should be light. Day two, Vayyayimer Lekim, Yehiyarakia. There should be a firmament between the, the Mayim and the Mayim. That's on day two. Day three, and on day three again, God said twice, So day three has two Vayomers. That's why this year is on Tuesday. 
because the Keneged day three that got two Vayoymeres Vayoymer Lekim Yehid Vayihid Toiv it says twice Vayihid Toiv Vayoym Shlishi that's why Reb Chaya made sure that today's share was on Tuesday right yeah yeah he acknowledges that okay fine then Wednesday Vayoymer Lekim Yehi Ma'orais Yehi Ma'orais is uh, day four so we have five so far day five Vayoymer Lekim Yeshutsu Amayim so on day five there was a maimar. On day six, God created the animals, and then So as you could all see, that on the in the seven days of creation, God made ten statements. Right, right, ten statements. Two on day three, two on day six, a total of eight. So what's the Gemara, the Mishnah talking about? There are only eight statements. The problem is, the Gemara asks, in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Lamed Beis, What are they? Vayoymer, Debereshes, Teshava, God only said Vayoymer nine times. And the Gemara answers, Bereshes, Nami, Mamarhu. Bereshes is also a statement. So you're watching my fingers. So we had eight before, and Bereshus is number 10. So obviously the question is, we're still missing one. Because we have eight Vayoymers in Bereshus. Bereshus Nami Mamarhu. Now what does that mean, Bereshus Nami Mamarhu? Dechsev, Bedvar Hashem Shamayim Naasu. By the word of God, the heavens were created. So the creations of heaven and earth was also a statement. So the Malbum asks, why doesn't it say... And the Malbim says very beautifully that there's a very big difference between the word Vayoymer and Vayedaber. Vayoymer refers to when you talk to someone or something. Vayedaber refers to speaking even though someone might not be listening. So for example, all the acts of creation, God said to the original matter, be the light, be the birds, be the stars, be the animals. So God is speaking to something. So it could say, Vayoymer. But the original act of creation is what we call creation ex nihilo, is something out of nothing. God wasn't speaking to anybody. So it can't say, Vayoymer. It says, Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Naasu. So, when someone's talking and no one's listening, by the way, that's a very frequent occurrence, especially if you give drasha, no, no, not in Agra de Perka, but in other venues perhaps, when you speak and nobody's listening, that's called dibor. When you speak to someone, that's called amira. So the, the eight amirois are God speaking to the original matter. However, the first act of creation was creation ex nihilo, it's bidvar Hashem shamayim nasu. So we're still not out of the waters yet. Because we have two statements on day three. Two statements on day six. The Gemara's Megala, there are two statements on day one. Yehi are and Bereshus. But that's only nine. We are missing the tenth statement with which God created the world. So actually this is a subject in and of itself, but I would like to share with you there are a number of approaches in the Mefarshim. Today we're going to be working with the approach of the Vilna Gain. And the Gra says, here are the ten statements with which God created the world. Number 29, the Gra says, Bereshus is one. Vayoy Merlekim Yehi is two. 
So that's two on day one. On day two, Vayemer lekim Hirakia. On day three, we have two, Yikavu Amayim and Tadshe Aretz Desha. On day four, Yihima Oirois. On day five, Yishutsu Amayim. On day six, we have three. Three? I thought just the animals and man. No. Toitsi Aretz Desha. Nase Adam. And you ready for this one? Vayoymer Elohim, Hine Nasati Lachem is called Esav Zoyreazara. Dinner is served. The creation of food, says the Vilna Gain, the tenth and final statement with which God created the world is dinner is served. God is giving us food to eat. That is the tenth statement with which God created the world. We are going to be uh, focusing and dealing with this approach of the Vilna Gain, that the tenth statement with which God created the world is the creation of food. I do want to share with you, there are a number of other systems. The Pirkei de Rebbe Lezer, for example, in number 30, the Pirkei de Rebbe Lezer says that the tenth statement with which God created the world is Veruach Eloikim Merachefes Alpenei and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Then, the, then um, excuse me, this is the Bereshis Rabbah. Then the Bereshis Rabbah brings another approach, and that is, Menachim Bar Yoisi, he re- takes out Ruach Elohim Rachefes, and he instead counts, Loi Toiv Hayoisa Adam Levadoi. That man is not fully completed until man is married. So the full completion of Adam is through the creation of Chava. So God tells Adam, it ain't good to be alone. And that is the final creation of the world. There's another approach, meaning, uh, namely, the Pirkei Zerub Lezer, number 31. And Pirkei Zerub Lezer says, Pirkei Zerub Lezer, interestingly, takes out Bereshis. Bereshis is not a mamer, according to Pirkei Zerub Lezer. So how do you get ten statements? Well, you have two on day three and two on day six. That's eight. And then, says the Pirkei Zerub Lezer, there are another additional two on day six. He counts dinner is served as a maimer, food, and marriage. These are all mamarim. There are other approaches as well. Uh, the Meleches Shloimai quotes an approach. He takes out Bereshis and he puts in food and he puts in marriage like the Pirkei Lezer. And then you have the Tikune Zayar. Tikune Zayar says no Bereshis, no marriage. It's food and pruravu. But today we're going to be working with the approach of the Vilna Gain that the tenth and final statement with which the Almighty created the world, that I'm giving you food, dinner is served. Okay, so we know God created the world with ten statements and somehow the ten makos correspond to the ten statements with which Rebbein created the world. So let's begin with the commentary of the Tzrar Hamar, Rabbi Avram Saba. Rabbi Avram Saba was one of the Gerushe Sfarad. He was one of the uh, exilees from Spain in 1492. Unfortunately, he could not take his manuscripts of his commentary on the Chumash with him. He had to bury it. He never saw it again. Likewise, he left Spain um, to Portugal and 
he, his two children were taken away from him and they were forcibly baptized and he never saw them again. Baruch Hashem, the Tzor Amar was able to rewrite his commentary on the Chumash from memory. He also had a son and his granddaughter became the wife of Maran Bet Yosef. He became the grandfather-in-law of the Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo. The Tzor Amar wrote a fantastic Sefer on Chumash and he poses the following question which will start us off today. Namely, we know we say in the Kiddush, we say that Kiddush is Zecher Lamasei Bereshis. That we make Kiddush to remember the creation of the world. And then a few uh, moments later, we say Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim. That Kiddush is uh, in memory of the Exodus. And uh, he asks, what's going on over here? What, people are so tired, they have temporary amnesia Friday night, that first they say the Kiddush is Zecher to one thing, and then a few moments later, they conk out and they say, Zechel is to something else. I mean, you've got to make up your mind. What is Kiddush? Is it Zechel Amas or is it Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? So says the Tzra Amar, Paroi was a koifer in, in Briyas Ha'ilam. Paroi was a heretic. He did not believe that Hashem controlled the heavens. He did not believe Hashem controlled the earth. He did not believe Hashem had mastery over the water, the land, the air. And therefore, the Rebbein Shalom wants to show Paroi. Paroi, you don't believe in creation? You don't believe I created the world ex nihilo? You don't believe in Briyas Ha'olam? I will demonstrate my mastery over all aspects of creation. Over the Shamayim. You don't believe Yehira Kia? You don't believe Yehima Oirois? I'm going to bring Barad. I'm going to bring Choyshech. You don't believe that I created the earth? I'm going to bring Kinim. I'm going to bring Shechin. You don't believe I created the waters? I'm going to bring Dam. And the purpose of the Makos is through the events of Yitzias Mitzrayim, the Rebbe Shem was verifying and authenticating Masa Bereshis. So, the events of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim literally are the edus and the testimony and the verification and authentication of the creation of heaven and earth. The ten makos correspond to the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. Paroi, you don't believe I created the world in ten statements? I will authenticate and verify it through the ten makos, which demonstrate my mastery over water, land, and air. Therefore, Kiddush is both Zecher L'Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Zecher L'Mas Through the events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Yibbal Shalom in verified that he indeed created the world. That is the foundational teaching of the Tzvar Hamar and comes the Maral and the Maral just opens up the heavens here and he brings this to a completely new level. The Maral says that this concept that Hashem created the world with ten statements and it was verified by the ten makos. It wasn't a general idea. That eh, ten, ten parallel ten. Says the Maral, each one of the makos verified a different statement with which Hashem created the world. The first statement being voracious. The last statement being supper is served. I'm giving you food. Each one of the Makos verified another statement with which God created the world, but the general approach of the Maral is that it went backward. And we'll explain as follows. The first Maka was the Maka of Dam, and that verified the statement of creation that God created food. Because 
what happens to food? You eat it, you digest it, you decompose it, you break up the particles and the matter, you reconstitute it, and it becomes your blood. So blood really is the food that you eat. The food that you eat is uh, turns into blood. So Hashem says, Paro, you don't believe that I created food for mankind? The ability for mankind to decompose, reconstitute the molecules of food and turn it into blood? Pharaoh, I'm going to show my mastery over blood to you. All the water is going to turn into blood. So the first makkah corresponds to the tenth statement with which Hashem created the world. Next, Svardeya, Paro, you don't believe in the seventh statement of creation that the water should teem with fish, birds, creepy crawling things? Well, Paro, they're going to be f- frogs croaking in your stomach, in your kneading bowls, in your ovens, in your refrigerators, everywhere, Paro. You're going to... Uh, Take out a sandwich to eat, and you're going to be eating a frog sandwich. If you don't believe my mastery over... By the way, the Agra de Perka Shurim are not necessarily for a general audience, especially today's Shur about the Makoi, so you might want to brace yourself before you hear some of the gory details. But that's just um, um, public awareness announcement. So, Paro, you don't believe that Hashem created the the creepy crawling things, I'm going to show you my mastery over Yeshutsu Amayim through Makas Tzvardeya. Paroi, I said in the fourth statement with which I created the world, all the water should gather and the dry land should appear. You don't believe in my mastery over the earth, over the particles of dirt, over the dry land. You're going to see the top soil of Egypt will turn into kinem, into lice, and you will see my mastery, that I'm the one who said, Paro, you don't believe in the eighth statement with which I created the world, that animals should uh, emerge from the earth, Paro, watch this show, there are going to be wild animals everywhere, you're going to get a knock on the door, it's going to be a polar bear. He's coming to get you, Paro. And don't say you're not going to open the door. We like to say this over every year. The matter says Hashem sent an octopus. He put a suction cup on the on the lock. He sucks out the lock, and the polar bear comes into the house. By the way, that's not a pleasant feeling when you see that octopus in your peephole, removing the lock on your front door, and then he's followed by a barrage of bears. Not a good, not a good feeling. Next, Paroi. I'm the one who said, I'm the one who said there should be luminaries, the sun, the moon, the, the stars. You don't believe in that? I'm going to bring plague. Now, what, do pla- what does the plague have to do with the luminaries? Well, the Maral writes, it's well known that illness comes to the world through dust particles of the various luminaries of the heavens. Now you read this, it sounds like some kind of ancient belief, but Rashi does bring in Chumash on the fourth day of creation, that child illness is affected and effectuated through the eclipse of the sun and the moon. 
So Hashem says, you don't believe I created the heaven and the earth? I will demonstrate, in fact, my su- my sovereignty, my control over the luminaries through Dever. Now this is very interesting. The Maral says that of all the Makos, there's only one Maka that the Khartoumim were embarrassed to appear before Para. Which Maka? Shechem. Because, you know, they had big pimples on their nose. It looked like they had a, they looked like Pinocchio. Uh, they had boils coming out of their foreheads. They, they looked disfigured. So Maral asks, what do you mean? And if they had frogs uh, coming out of their ear, imagine if the Khartoumim had appeared before Moshe. And each Khartoum, he had one frog arm coming out of one ear, one frog arm coming out. That's also pretty embarrassing. Maral says, no, it's not so embarrassing. Look, the guy is still a, he's still a good-looking Egyptian. Elamai, he has a frog coming out of his nose. Okay, that's that's not him. That's an extra creature emerging from his orifice. But the shechin is the is the disfiguration of the body itself. So that was very embarrassing. That's why the Maral says of all the makas, the only maka the chartumim didn't show up was shechin. They were embarrassed to come. So Hashem says, Paro, you don't accept Nase Adam that I created, man. I will demonstrate my control over man. Man will be so disfigured that you will acknowledge I am the creator of man. Paro, you don't believe Yehi Rakia that I created the firmament, the heavens. I'm going to bring down Barad, ice, fire from the heavens. You'll see my, my control and superiority over the heavens. We're almost there. Bear with me. No pun intended. Arbe. Arbe. Arbe was the eighth Maka. That corresponds to the fourth statement with which Hashem created the world. Hashem said, Toitzi Aretz Desha. Let the world team and produce vegetation, herbage, grass, bushes, growth. More than anything else, the uh, locusts are connected to vegetation. Throughout the Torah, Zera Rav Toitzi Hasade Umaat Teasoif Kiyachselenuho Arba. Arba destroys vegetation. Kalitzcho Priad Moscha Yiarash Hatzlatzal. The locust destroys the growth. Paro, you don't believe that I said there should be grass and trees and bushes? Watch this. Look what happens. Now, darkness. Let's see if you can figure out. What does darkness correspond to? Says Maral, obviously the ninth plague corresponds to the second statement with which God created the world. Namely, let there be light. Pharaoh, you don't believe that I'm the one who turned on the light? We're going to turn the lights off and then you will see if you acknowledge if I'm the one who created the light. And then finally, the tenth maka, makas b'choyrois, God says, Makas Bechoros corresponds to the first statement of creation, namely Bereshis in the beginning. Paro, you don't believe I control the beginnings? You don't believe I have mastery over the beginning of creation? Well, watch what happens. Look what I could do to your firsts. Says the Maral, the ten statements with which Hashem created the world were verified and authenticated by each Maka corresponds to one particular statement with which God created the world. Now, if you read the Maral, it seems somewhat haphazard. Because Dam 
Number one corresponds to the tenth statement of creation. And the ninth Makkah, Choshech, the second. And the tenth Makkah, Makkah is the first. So the bookends of the Makos, Makkah one corresponds to the tenth statement of creation. Makkah nine and ten correspond to the second and first. But the ones in the middle are haphazardly related. However, Rav David Koyin, Rashiv of Chevron in his Sefer, Mizmar Ladavid, says that in the approach of the Maral, the Makos correspond to the sten- ten statements with which Hashem created the world backward. So now, the writer of the Sefer Mizmar Ladavid is a good friend of mine in Lakewood, Ramashi Gruen. So I called up Ramashi. By the way, he also is the Kaisev of the Yareach Lamayadim of Rabbi Rochmoshin. I said, Moshe, I don't understand what, what the Rosh Hashiva is saying. Because the Makos do not correspond backward to the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. It's only Mako 1 corresponds to statement 10. Blood to the creation of food. Darkness, 9 to the second statement, the light. 10, Makos um, B'chayrois, to the creation of the beginning. So, Moshe, uh, Reb Moshe went to, he asked Reb David Koyin, and Reb David Koyin says that he feels that if the bookends of the Makos correspond to the ten statements of creation backward, then that establishes the whole pattern that way. That in the approach of the Maral, the way we should view it is, God created the world in ten statements. With each statement, God progressively revealed his mastery over even a greater dimension of the universe. Then, in the course of time, it began to be forgotten, the tenth revelation of creation, and then it was forgotten, the ninth revelation of creation, and the eighth revelation of creation, and the seventh. So when God reinstated it, God reinstated it, he said like this, the first thing, Maka, I'm going to bring is Dam. Dam corresponds to um, the creation of food. I'm going to remind you of what you forgot first. And then I'm going to remind you of what you forgot after that. And then I'm going to remind you until Rebbein Shalom said, I'm going to remind you that you went ahead and forgot creation itself, ex nihilo, and that was reminded with Makas Bechayrois. Now, Marv Rabbi According to this system of the Maral, which, by the way, is working with the approach of the Gra, that the tenth statement with which Hashem created the world is the creation of food, it comes out, we're going to see, Neflois mitairasenu, wonders from the Torah, of some of the details of the Makos and how they correspond so magnificently with, um, with the ten statements with which God created the world. Take a look, please, at number 10 on the screen. We're going to talk about the Makkah of Arbe. The Makkah of Arbe corresponds to the creation of food, of herbage. Excuse me, Makkah of Arbe corresponds to Desha, the plant life, the trees, the bushes. So look what we have over here. We have a non-compliant Arbe. Look in the command of the Arba. The Rav Shalom says, It's going to cover the light of the land. You're not going to be able to see the land. 
It's going to eat up and consume the remnant that remains from the barad. It will consume all the trees. That's what God said. The Arba will consume the trees. And then we come to what the Arba did. Here's the account of what the Arba did. So it covers the light, the light of the land, and the the earth is dark. It ate the herbage, and the fruit. And there, there are no leaves left. What's going on over here? God said the Arab is going to eat the tree. And the Arba didn't eat the tree. The Arba ate the grass and the fruit of the tree and the leaves of the tree. We have non-compliant Arba. God says, hey Arba, eat the eights. They don't eat the eights. They eat the pre-eights. How could such a thing be? Says Rav David Cain, it's deja vu all over again. Because the whole purpose of Arba, and by the way, he didn't actually say those words, just to clarify. But the Arba is... Uh, authenticating and verifying the fourth statement with which God created the world, namely, Now let's analyze how did Hashem create the world. God said, That the earth sprout with herbage. God says, Fruit trees, producing fruit. God says, I don't just want the tree to produce fruit. It's puri. I want the tree to taste like fruit. We all know God told the tree, a apple tree. I want the bark to taste like apple. I want people to bite into the wood and taste apple. I want people to bite into the orange tree and taste an orange. And did the trees listen? We all know the trees didn't listen. The earth gave herbage. The eighth oisa puri. And a tree that produces fruit but not a tree that tastes like fruit. So God says, I want the tree to taste like fruit, but the tree didn't listen. So the Arba, which is just verifying and authenticating the statement with which Hashem created the world, of the same way when Hashem created the world, the tree didn't listen. The tree was told, taste like fruit, but it didn't taste like fruit. The Arba was told, eat the tree, and it didn't eat the tree, it ate the fruit. Next offering. I'm going to tell you one of the most astounding chidushim that ever occurred to me. But first I want to tell you the chidush of Rav David Koyin. Here we have Makas B'chayrois. In Makas B'chayrois, as an introduction to Makas B'chayrois, Hashem says, God recreates time. Right? Rivanisham recreates time. How does he recreate time? Because until that time, the year began in Tishrei. And God said, no more, the year no longer begins in Tishrei. From now on, the year begins in Nisan. From now on, the year begins in Chaydesh Nisan. So God is recalculating time. He's remaneuvering time. He's recreating time. Time no longer um, starts from Rosh Hashanah, it starts from Rosh Chaydesh Nisan. Why is Rivanisham doing that? It says of David Kain. It's deja vu all over again. This is not the first time Hashem did such a thing. 
according to the Maral and according to the Gra. The first statement of creation was Barashas <clears throat> Baralekim. That corresponds to which Maka? Makas Bechayrois. Marvra Boisa, I have a simple question to ask you. And perhaps other questions, I would uh, let somebody get away by saying, you know, I didn't get up to that yet in Chumash. But you can't say that for this question. My question is, what does the word mean, Barashas? Barashas Bara Elohim. I don't want to hear you didn't get up to that word yet. You know, that far you must have got. Beratius. Rashi points out the word Beratius means in the beginning of, it's a word which should be Davak, otherwise it would say Barishaina. So Beratius means in the beginning of, in the beginning of what? You know what's missing in the Pasuk? What? The word what? Beratius in the beginning of, it should say Beratius, Brias Ha'olam, Vayor Melekim, Yishamayim Ba'aretz. You know, we say in davening, Baruch She'amar, V'ayayalam Baruch Baruch Oiseh Bereshus. Blessed is he who created in the beginning. That doesn't make any sense. It should say, Baruch Oiseh Masa Bereshus. The one who created the works of creation. But what does it mean, Baruch Oiseh Bereshus? We say in Oleinu, Laseis Gedula, to give greatness, Liyoitzer Bereshus. To one who fashioned, should say, Biberatius, in the beginning. What's Liyotse Beratius? So the Siddur Siach Yitzchak, the Siddur Hagra brings, and this is also brought by none other than the Gra himself in the Adar Seliyo. This is cited by the Malbim. This is brought by the Dubna Magid, that even though that Rashi is correct, Ein hamikra hazeh oimer eladarshini. This pasuk says, "Expound me." The only thing is, there is a concept ein mikra yotzimidei that a pasuk has to have a straightforward meaning. So, what is the straightforward meaning of the word beracious bar elikin? It cannot mean in the beginning of God created. Says the Dubna Magid, Shlomo Melech says. For everything there's time. You know what that means? What that means is before God could create plant, animal, fish, sun, moon, man, God needs a context and a container to fit everything into. All of creation has to fit into a certain context. You know what the context that everything has been put into? Time. Beratius. Time. <clears throat> Beginnings. Until that point in time, there's no such thing as a beginning, a middle, and the end. The first act of creation is the creation of time. Zman is a Bria. And in the creation of time, God then placed all matter. Beratius, time, bara Elohim, Esa Shamayim, The first act of creation was the creation of time. And once God created time, He could put everything in it. Marvra Abaisai says of David Koyen, Againa She'en Kamayu. The same way, the first statement with which God created the world, by Beratius, 
that statement, that first act of creation, the first concept and matter created was the creation of time. So too, with which maka does God reinstate and authenticate the first statement of creation, makas b'chayrois. So how does God introduce makas b'chayrois? I'm going to recreate time. From now on, time doesn't move, move from the seventh month to the through the year. Time begins to move. And now I'm going to share with you a gift from heaven. What's the first Rashi in Chumash? Rashi, the first Rashi in Chumash is Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Loi haya tzarech lahaschel asatayra. The Lord should have only started the Taira with the Pasuk HaChadosh HaZalachim. So Rashi begins the Chumash with the Kasha on the Rebbeinu Shalom. Rebbeinu Shalom, I have a question. Why didn't you start the Chumash? Vayoymer Eloikim. After all, the Torah is a book of mitzvahs, and this should be the first mitzvah in the Torah. So you know what I like to say? The Rebbein Shalom heard Rashi's kasha and Shemayim, and he says, Taira Rashi, you're right. If I would ever create the world again, I would definitely listen to you and start with HaChodesh HaZelochem. In Sefer Shemais, Hashem recreates the world. What's the first maka which reinstates the first act of creation? In other words, which maka reinstates Bereshis? Makas Bechayres. So how does Hashem introduce Makas Bechayres? Rashi, you're right. I, you know what? If I would ever re- recreate the world, I would start it with HaChodesh HaZelochem. And sure enough, Riban Shem follows Rashi's advice, and when he recreates the world with Makas B'chayrois, he introduces it with HaChodesh HaZelochem. Or we could say it a little nicer, we could say, who told Rashi that it's such a good idea to start the Torah with HaChodesh HaZelochem? Rashi says, oh, look, Rebunisham, I know that's the better way to start the Torah, because the proof's in the pudding. Because when you recreated the world with Makas B'chayrois, you recreated the world by introducing it with Or you could say another beautiful Nakuda that if the first act of creation is God's creation of time, Makas Bechoyros then demonstrates Hashem's mastery over time. How do we see it? Because Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid to say because nobody can know exactly the precise moment of midnight, but God in His infinite wisdom and control is able to say is saying, I control time perfectly. I, I could tell you exactly when midnight is. So when I'm recreating the world, my first act of recreation is showing my sovereignty and mastery over time. Namely, So the Arba, it's deja vu all over again. They don't listen like the Eights didn't listen. And Rebbein Shalom recreates the world, his mastery over time with the Makas B'chayrois. By the way, furthermore, we could say the Medrash says, Beratius, God created the world for thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through, for the mitzvah of Bikurim, the mitzvah of Bikurim, right? Bishvil Bikurim, Bara Olam, 
because of the essential, fundamental nature of gratitude. So likewise, when Hashem recreates the world as an introduction to Makas Mechayrois, Hashem gives us the carbon Pesach, which what kind of carbon is the carbon Pesach? It's a carbon Taida. The same way the first act of creation is Bereshis Mitzvah Bikurim, so too Makas Mechayrois is introduced with um, the carbon Pesach. Now, I want to share with you briefly another system. Tell you very quickly. This system is working with the Maral and the Gra, that the way the Makos correspond to the ten statements with which Hashem created the world is backward. Dam corresponds to Nasa Adam. Choshech to the second statement of creation, Yihir. Makos Bechorois to Bereshis. There's another way to look at it, and that is the approach of Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Chaver, who is a student of a student of the Goyen. He's called the Peshlishi of the Goyen. And he says the Makos correspond to the statements with which Hashem created the world in order. Makos Dam corresponds to Bereshis. And the final Maka, Makas Bechorois, corresponds to let us make man. In other words, Paroi, you don't believe I created man? Watch this. Look at my control and my mastery over man. So corresponding to the creation of man is Makas B'chayrois. V'Hashem Heyer Enai. Then it comes out an amazing analogy between Makas B'chayrois and Nasa Adam. There's a million dollar question on Makas B'chayrois. Who did it? In the Haggadah we say, Ani v'loi Malach, Ani v'loi Saraf, Ani v'loi Shliach, Ani v'loi Acher. And the Pasuk says explicitly, put the blood on the doorpost so that the mashchis doesn't wham you. What mashchis? I thought God did it himself. It's the one maka we say, Ani, 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 God, nobody else. And it's the one maka that, that it says, beware of the mashchis. What mashchis? Furthermore, if you look at number 14, by the way, if anybody wants the marmakoimos of today's shir, please... Uh, if you look behind, there's a there's a email address, um, office at rabbidg.com, or you could go to our website, rabbidg.com, and get the Maramakoimois. Or um, I sent it to sent it to Reb Tzvi, but I'm going to get it to Yisrael Maskos. We'll get it to Agra the Pirka as well, if anybody wants the Maramakoimois. But I want to share with you, the Rashbats, the Tajbates on Pirkei Avais, he says, another interesting question here, he says, that by Makas Bechoris it says Vashem Hika and the, and God smote, and the matter says whenever it says Hashem it's God and His Bezdin. What do you mean God and His Bezdin? I thought it's Ani Ani Ani. It's God Himself, nobody else. So I would like to suggest as follows. Right, this is a, ma- a major question. Who did Makas Bechoris? God says Ani Vleimach Ani Vleisarf Ani Vleishliach, and the Chumash it says God had a Bezdin, and the Chumash it says. That God, uh, there was a mashchis. How do you uh, deal with this? Uh, ah, so the answer is as follows: It's deja vu all over again. Makas b'chayrois corresponds to nase adam. Now, uh, we just ask everyone to mute. Makas um, b'chayrois um, corresponds to nase adam. Now let's go to nase adam. Who created man? So there's a famous kasha. Nasa Adam. God says, let us make man. Who's Rebbe Hashem talking to? So Rashi says, God's talking to the angels. Even though there's makayim for a heretic 
to make an error and to say, Chas v'shalom, there's more than one God. But Hashem responds right away, Vayivra, Elohim Adam, God created man. And the reason it says that Nasa Adam is to teach Midois v'darecheretz, that a superior should always ask the advice of his inferiors. So did God, was anyone else involved in the creation of man? No. Did the Malachim help God in the creation of man? No. So why are the Malachim cited? It's Darecheretz. That when you do something big, you seek the advice of the uh, inferior, even though you're not really going to listen to them. So it's the same thing with Makas Bechayrois. It's deja vu all over again. Makas Bechayrois is authenticating and verifying Nasa Adam. There ain't no Bezdin bringing Makas Bechayrois. There ain't no Mashchis. But it's just Midois, Vidarecheret, that if Hashem is bringing a Maka of this magnitude, he words it in a way as if, as if, as if he's consulting, he's asking someone's opinion, he's having somebody help him. So, Makas Bechorois directly parallels um, Nasa Adam. So, Marv Raboisai, when the events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim are not just one-time events, but they literally authenticate and verify the ten statements with which Hashem created the world. And therefore, when we make Kiddush Friday night, not on a styrofoam cup, obviously, we make and we say, it's Zecher L'Yitzias Mitzrayim, but it's also Zecher L'Maseh because the events of Yitzias Mitzrayim are what we call creation take two. Pharaoh, you don't believe in Briyas HaOilam, you don't believe in the ten statements with which Hashem created the world, I am going to authenticate and verify it through the ten Makais. And coming full circle, perhaps this is the deeper meaning of why the Bahag has dubbed and refers to Bereshus as Sefer Sheni, book two. What kind of name is that? He lost, he forgot, um, he ran out of names. The answer is, Bereshus is the first book of creation. And if you didn't get it, and you don't accept it, Yerman Shalom says, take two, I'm going to verify Bereshus, I'm going to authenticate Briyas HaOilam through the ten makos with which Hashem smote the Mitzrim. So hopefully this will give us a better appreciation for the events of Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, that this was literally a Bria Chadasha, a Bria Sa'olam Echadash, and was teaching the world that that which we say, Zecher, the Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, is most certainly Zecher Lamasavreshis. Thank you everybody for joining. You can join us every Monday at 10.30, Agar the Pirka. Marav Rabbi have a great day. Call Thank you, Rabbi Gladstein. Oh, yeah. okay. uh, yeah. I want you to know that you have people from five different states and from Eretz Yisrael listening to this year. Gvaldek. Recognize the names. I see, um, yeah, we have, I see from uh, Ramad Beit Shamash, we had. There's from, there's from, there's from uh, Miami, there's from West Palm Beach, there's from Flatbush, I can't get into all the names, from Queens, from Borough Park, and from Eretz Interesting. Just, just right. you see the Randells, how you doing? All together, all in one world, basically. Don't just, forget Maryland. Yeah, Maryland too. Maryland. Don't forget Boker. Okay. Thank you for being Marvin Tara, and thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. It's like a Sarama Amarot, a Sarame Right. Thank you, everybody. Please join us and tell your friends about it. It's going to be sweet. Same way we have to
every day, we can have a thousand people listening.